It's time for Silver and Black Today Game Day. We're breaking down the Raiders' upcoming game and bring you in-depth analysis from National Football Insiders. Let's get the nation fired up. Here are your hosts, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Good morning, Raider Nation. Get out of bed. That's right. East Coast time. The Raiders playing Pittsburgh. The Steelers out in Pittsburgh today at the top of the next hour at 10 o'clock. Welcome back. Silver and black today. Game day. It is game day. We are your pregame show here on Silver and Black today, only on the fan Las Vegas. Thanks for being with me and my partner, Mo Moten. Raiders, bad news at the end of the week. Josh Jacobs ruled out on Friday. That means a one, Mr. Kenyon Drake. It's time to pick up the slack. It's time to do your thing out in Pittsburgh. Mo, I bring you in now. Got to be happy. The game is on East Coast time today, buddy. That's a good deal for me. Some fans would say that's not a great deal for <laughs> West Coast teams, but I, I feel like this Raiders team, after watching them last Monday, I think this is a different team. I think when you have a respectable defense, you can travel because, as they say in the NFL, defense does travel. It does. You're absolutely right. And what we do at the top of the show each week is we have our correspondent, David Stepanian, who's got a recap of Monday night's game. And, of course, this game, you definitely want to hear these highlights. Here's David with a wrap-up from the big thrilling win on Monday. Week one wrapped up with an early contender for Game of the Year when the Baltimore Ravens made a stop at Allegiant Stadium to face the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday night football. It was all Baltimore early as Lamar Jackson threw 11 for 15 for 128 yards and a TD to take an early 14-0 lead. But the Raiders fought back and cut the lead to four heading into the locker room. Keep in mind, Baltimore had won 98 straight games when holding a 14-point lead. Moving on to the second half, Ravens lead 17-10 in the fourth and driving with the ball, hoping to put the game out of reach, but not if Quinn Jefferson has anything to say about it. Jackson trying to get out of there, and the ball comes out. Could be just the spark the Raiders need, Denzel. Jacobs ran it in for 15 yards, and the Raiders tie it at 17 apiece late in the game, but it's not over yet. Fans paid a lot of money to see this game, and they got a show in Las Vegas. It still wasn't over yet. Justin Tucker boots a 47-yarder with about 30 seconds to go to give Baltimore a three-point advantage. The Raiders are without much time and no timeouts. Carr has to get this thing within field goal range from his own 25-yard line. Fortunately, Daniel Carlson's one of the best kickers in the league, so there's still hope. No room for error, and Carr is able to step up and be accurate at the most crucial time. Again, the Ravens rush just three. Carr loads up and fires. Trent Sig is the snapper, A.J. Cole to hold it. From 55 yards away. Boom, to tie the game. Boom is right. Now we head into OT, and if the fourth wasn't crazy enough, this is where the fans got their money's worth. Raiders win the toss and get the ball first. Silver and Black on the opposing 33-yard line, and they appear to win it on this pass to Brian Edwards. Third and four. See if it's third and Renfro. Throwing that way, and it is Edwards. Touchdown. Got it. After review, Edwards was about a foot short, but no matter. Following a false start, Carr opted to throw the ball from the five-yard line. Carr throwing off the fingertips and intercepted. It's Anthony Averitt. 
Next score wins the game. Baltimore just has to get within range for Tucker, but Carl Nassib makes a huge play on the Baltimore 30-yard line, which culminates in a wild finish for the game. Third and seven. Jackson trying to get out, can't do it. He's taken down and it's out. And the Raiders have recovered it. Carl Nassib had the hit on Jackson. Can't lose any yards here. Gonna throw. Drake picked up the pressure all alone is Zay Jones, and he will prance into the end zone for the touchdown and the victory in overtime for the Raiders. The Raiders win their first game with fans 33-27 in overtime. Carr threw an astonishing 56 passes, the third most attempts in his career, completing 34 for 435 yards, two TDs, and a pick. Josh Jacobs ran for two TDs, and Lamar Jackson led rushing for Baltimore with 86 yards on 12 carries. After the game, Gruden had this to say. Well, I did know that they're great competitive players. I mean, they, they love football, they play for each other, and uh, I think the fans witnessed that tonight. We got a lot of young guys that really stepped up, um, but I'm really proud of the character they showed. We were down 14-0 to the Ravens, and it didn't look pretty, didn't look good, but when you can come back and find a way to win against a team like that, um, that's saying something. That's an impressive, impressive victory. And like they say here, just win, baby. Next on the calendar for the Silver and Black is a date with the Pittsburgh Steelers. For Silver and Black tonight, I'm David Stepanian. All right, there you go. All the highlights, all the glory, Mo. And I'll tell you what, man, this game, how many times did the Raiders get down, especially in that overtime when they couldn't punch it in from the one where I saw the tweets and I couldn't help but laugh because they had truth to them, which is like, oh, no, the Raiders are going to Raider. But they come back, man. They come back twice. Resiliency, Scott, and this team has shown it over the past years that they have it. Maybe not so much in the second half, but they do have it. And I think there's a different, there's a different feel to this team. I know reporters who've been at practices have said this, but you, you're right. When they when the when a turnover happened and it bounced off the helmet, and the Raiders had to give the ball back to Baltimore, they have a shot at Lamar Jackson, and he's excited to get back on the field. A lot of fans are thinking, "Oh no," but but Carl Nassib in his strip sack. And then Derek Carr to finish it off with your boy Zay Jones <laughs> scoring the touchdown for that the one. game. I was waiting for that one. And <laughs> and you know what? I'm glad. Like I'm I'm perfectly happy being wrong when I make a bad call, <laughs> unlike the Tanner Muse call, right? So thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, I had to throw that in there. But again, it was just a Monday night thriller. Um, we're on the East Coast, so it's you know, we had to stay up late for that one, way past our bedtime. <laughs> but happy to see the Raiders come away with a win, especially in that fashion in front of fans for the first time at Allegiant Stadium. Well, and Mo, I love the word that you used, resilience, because I think that's what it takes in the NFL. And you and I, over the past couple of weeks, we, we've taken a little bit of heat because we've talked about what we thought were the deficiencies of this team heading in. And I think we saw some, I think we were proven right about some of that. Not that we wanted to be right or that we want this team to do poorly, because that's not the case. Believe me, doing sports radio, if the team does better, it's a lot more fun for us to get on the air and talk about it, number one. But number two, I thought that resilience piece, the fact that Derek Carr did not start well. The fact that the offense couldn't seem to click. The fact that it was a Darren Waller show, which is fantastic. He was targeted 19 times, the third most in the history uh, of the NFL on Monday night. So, so you look at that, 
and you think, boy, this was set up, and they get down 14 to nothing. Now, 14 to nothing against a guy, even though that team, the Baltimore Ravens team, was beat up, Mo, you still have a one, Mr. Lamar Jackson, and you just feel like, man, when it got to be 14 nothing, uh, you were concerned that this could end up snowballing and, and really be an ugly game. Quick stat, too. I, I read somewhere that the Baltimore Ravens had won a bunch of games. When they're up 14-0, basically they don't lose up 14-0. Yeah. And the Raiders gave him that first loss. So, again, different team coming out. A lot of people said, hey, hey maybe Lamar Jackson runs wild. What are the Raiders going to do defensively to contain him? And I think you saw a lot of that. Of course, he's going to make plays, spectacular player. But you also saw guys chasing him down. Darius Phylon, Max Crosby, of course, the AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Carl Nassib, I talked about the strip sack. You know, at, the Raiders had their defensive line. I said it in the offseason. This is one thing I was right about that was positive, that – the defense is going to be a lot better, and the defensive line is going to be the strength of that of that side of the ball. You did indeed, and I think that's where I want to start because we'll talk about the offensive line and some of the things that we saw that the Raiders maybe need to work on because every team does. Listen, no NFL team starts the season perfect. I know Tampa wants to say that they started the season perfect, but listen, every team has got issues, and every team has got to work through those in the course of this now 18-week season and 17 games. So when you look at the Raiders and that defense, Mo, I was so impressed. Listen, Max Crosby is an amazing story. There's a reason why he was named the AFC Defensive Player of the Week because of his play. This is a guy who, yes, they, they highlighted his story about his battle with alcoholism. And it's, it's significant because when you start to put your life in order off the field, then it helps you focus. It helps you work at your job. I don't care if you're an accountant, a librarian, or a football player. If you have your private life kind of working in the right direction for you, then your professional life becomes better too. And Max Crosby was absolutely fantastic. He was giving Lamar Jackson fits all night. There was a shot where he basically chased down Lamar Jackson to the sideline. And we all know how fast Lamar Jackson is. And Max Crosby... You know, 260, 270 pound defensive end to chase him down and, and to run him out of bounds on a few plays. Just amazing. He looked like, I, I'm not into hyperbole, but I'm being honest when I say this, he looked like an all-pro player mm-hmm. last Monday. He did. And 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 in the press conference uh, during the week, he talked about consistency and he talked about how you really have to um, build into that and that this team, he feels like that this team is there and that this team has a mentality, which, Mo, a lot of people, and I know a lot of people are sitting out there saying, see, if you would have got rid of Paul Gunther, earlier. And now there's something to that, but I do think it's a combination of things, right? It's the combination of the new scheme, the new coach. Absolutely. But you also have new bodies there. You talked about some of these guys, you have Max Crosby who we've highlighted, but then you have Yannick Ngakwe who unfortunately we don't even know if he's going to play. And if he does play today in Pittsburgh, we're not sure how much he's going to play and how effective he'll be. But clearly you saw the impact that he had. You saw Darius Phylon in the middle. Uh, you saw, uh, unfortunately, uh, Jared McCoy got injured and he didn't get a chance to play as much, but you saw how there was disruption going there. The linebacking core played better. When you look at that outside of that defensive front, um, or I should say, including that defensive front, they really just looked more complete. They also, and Max Crosby said this too during Impressor, they were in great shape. Nobody got tired. The rotation that that um, the Gus Bradley has instituted there and cycling players in and out and the right players that he has really, really worked. Two things that Gus Bradley said at his press conference 
on Thursday, I just want to point out, he talked about second effort snap, uh, second mm. effort stacks. Yeah. And that basically guys with motor, and I know that's, that word is attached to Max Crosby a lot, but that whole defensive line and the ways that they had, and that's the second thing I want to talk about, the ways of pass rushes that they have for Lamar Jackson made a huge difference. When you have your first unit, your second unit, maybe third-tier guys who can rush the passer and not get tired and get those second effort pressures, that's important and the Raiders have it now and something that Bears fans probably aren't used to I find myself <laughs> tweeting defense a lot Monday night probably most I've ever tweeted it during a Raiders game in a while but they finally have a respectable unit that can go out there and win football games yeah and Lewis Riddick on the broadcast talked about complimentary football right and we saw that and I, I thought that that defense you know the Raiders fans were very excited to see it and I think it, it was worth the, the price of admission for everybody is it perfect no there was times when they fell down but I also the, I, I go back to the conditioning man because you look at that going into overtime Steve Levy said it too he's like well this is a time of the game where people wear down and and defenses often people get tired right and you saw that Baltimore defense, who was a lot more talked about going in than the Raider defense, you saw them wear down. You saw them make mistakes. You saw Lamar Jackson fumbles. You know, a lot of people are saying, well, Lamar Jackson, if he wouldn't have fumbled. He, listen, the reason he was fumbled is because he was being chased the whole game. Right? right. I mean, it, you have to give credit for the defense. And that's the one thing I know Raider fans have that chip on their shoulder and they think everybody's always against them. But in this case, I, I thought the coverage after the game and into the week didn't give this defense enough credit. They're giving Max Crosby credit. But as a unit, as a coach, Gus Bradley, I really thought they came in with a great game plan. Yes, they gave up some big plays here and there, but most defenses do. Yeah, absolutely. It's not going to be perfect coming out of the gate. You also got to remember the Raiders didn't play a lot of their starters during the preseason, so they had to shake off a little bit of rust. But when they did, and you started to see it click on both sides of the ball, you saw what it could be for the season if they could just continue. As you mentioned, the, the key C word, consistency. If they mm -hmm. can consistently get that pressure, consistently involve their weapons on the offensive side of the ball, this could be a well-balanced football team. Yeah, and we heard from Max Crosby, uh, the clip we played on our Southern California show on Friday night, and he talked about that. It's about, got it. look, it's great, but this game is over. He's like, I'm not even thinking about that game anymore. I'm thinking about Pittsburgh, and I'm thinking about the rest of the season. we got to be able to do this throughout the course of the season. And he mentioned the last two years with the fades in the second half of the year. So it's good to know that it's gotten through to a man on them. Mo, with a few minutes we have left before we hit the first break. By the way, coming up on the show, Arash Markazi from the Mightier 10. 90, one of our teammates down there, covers Los Angeles football, of course, and sports from around the nation. He's going to join us to talk about his experience at Allegiant Stadium. He had a great time, needless to say. Uh, and then later in the show, Brian Salmon from News 3 Las Vegas will help us preview the Steelers coming up at the top of the hour. But the guy I want to talk about during this week after the in the elation after the win, not a lot of people have mentioned, although he got love the night of the game, is Brian Edwards. I thought that how he came up so big and connected with Derek Carr at the end of the game and into overtime was a huge hump to get over. We've been hearing nothing but great things about Brian Edwards. He was finally able to show what he can do on the field when it mattered. Absolutely. Four catches between, I believe, 37 seconds in the fourth quarter to overtime. So all his catches came in the clutch, and they were all 11-plus yard gains. So a lot of people during the game, where's Brian Edwards? When is he going to make an impact? Well, he came up big in the clutch <laughs> when it mattered. Delivered when it when it really mattered, 
and deliver. So I, I think his his future could be really bright. Just has to stay healthy. If he could stay healthy, I think he could be a matchup issue downfield for for opposing defensive backs. Yeah, if, uh, if, again, as you mentioned, four receptions, eighty one yards. He wasn't able to score. He almost scored. Of course, that one was called back as his knee hit the ground. Hunter Renfro, another great game, six receptions, seventy yards, and Henry Ruggs had two receptions, forty six. Mo and I were complaining on Twitter about the targets. <laughs> And I think they're going to come. Uh, I really do. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, people got to lay off him a little bit, I think. But uh, I think he'll come along. Yeah. But but this offense looked good. And, and if they can start off a little more consistent in the game, maybe they'll make it a little easier on them and their defense. Because that's the thing. You want your defense to, to, to step up when they had to. And Derek Carr was the first one to give them credit to do it. Uh, and, of course, uh, they did. And But if you can balance it out a little more so you don't you don't need those defensive stands at the end of the game or in, in overtime, which happen, but uh, preferably when they get to Pittsburgh today, they don't do that. All right, we are up against our first break. Mo, when we come back, we're going to talk to Arash, right? you got some questions for him, don't you, about the experience out there? Oh, definitely. i got to hear how Raiders fans reacted to winning the game twice on Monday. <laughs> That's right. You're listening to the Silver and Black Today game day here on The Fan Las Vegas. That's been doing it for the past four years. VegasSportsToday.com with in-depth daily coverage of the Raiders and news and opinions from a stable of talented writers. VegasSportsToday.com is your independent source for news out of the capital of Raider Nation, Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, and by the way, we cover all Vegas sports, including boxing, UFC, esports, and the hottest ticket in the NHL, the Vegas Golden Knights. Get on your phone now and check out VegasSportsToday.com, your independent source for Raiders news. No court. Corporate BS, just pure Raider Nation. That's VegasSportsToday.com. Where the nation rallies every week of the NFL season. It's Silver and Black Today, game day. All right, welcome back. It is Silver and Black Today, game day here on The Fan in Las Vegas. Mo Moten, Scott Branson with you as we inch towards kickoff at the top of the hour out in Pittsburgh, the Raiders getting set to take on their nemesis, the Steelers. And joining us now, we'll talk a little bit about, we talked in the first segment about Monday's game, kind of rehashing all of that. And one of the things we talked about was the atmosphere. So we wanted to reach out to our friend Arash Markazi. Arash host on uh, the 1090, Mighty 1090, of course, where our other show, Mightier 1090, I should say, where our other show is down in Southern California on Friday nights. Arash hosts a daily show from 12 to 1 on the Mightier 1090. Uh, he also has his themorningcolumn.com, which you can check out. It's a must-read especially if you're a Southern California sports fan, but Arash covers everything. Arash, thanks for joining us here on The Fan in Las Vegas. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, so we wanted to jump in. I mean, you came out to the game. I was following your social media feed and your experience and everything uh, that you were talking about that. I want to just get your sense uh, for the experience at Allegiant Stadium, going out there for the first time with fans, with Raider Nation in force on a big Monday night game. Of course, that was something, you know, I sat in that stadium all last year, Arash, uh, empty, and it was terrible because it was a beautiful yeah. facility and you just couldn't imagine. So tell us what you think. You know, you've been out to SoFi, obviously, because you're based in Los Angeles. Uh, it's also a beautiful stadium. Of course, Rams fans, Charger fans, of course, since they're in the same division, go back and forth on which stadium's nicer. But I want you to tell me, how was your experience? What what kind of uh, did you, what did you learn about the Vegas Raiders and that whole thing with Allegiant Stadium and having the Black Hole and Raider Nation there? 
it was fantastic. It was really fun. I mean, you know, for their first game to be a Monday night football game, that was cool. And I was really thankful that I got to go to the Sunday night football game in Los Angeles at SoFi and then go to Las Vegas the next day. It it, it really felt like a home for the team. I had, I had been to games when they were at the Coliseum in Los Angeles and the Coliseum up in uh, Oakland. And, you know, to have it, you know, to be a silver and black Allegiant Stadium and you walk through the concourses, they really tip their hat to the history of the team, the Hall of Famers, the uh, jerseys and the footballs and all the history. And then the memorial torch for Al Davis. Incredible. I mean, the whole experience, I, I just had such a good time um, walking through the tailgate pregame, talking to, to the fans there. It, it, it just seemed like um, a home field, finally. I mean, when you look at how old the Los Angeles Coliseum was and how old the stadiums that they played in, it just for the first time in a long time, they, they, they have a new home that is their own. And the other thing that was really amazing is, you know, when I flew in, the number of fans who were flying in from Los Angeles, from Oakland, from all parts of the West Coast, you know, from like Phoenix and I get it, like Oakland, Los Angeles, um, that's the beauty of Las Vegas. The number of flights that come in, the number of hotels the fans can stay at. Again, they're going to make that drive. But I was really not shocked. But I guess I kind of expected it. But the number of fans who flew in. Yeah, it was, it, it, and I anticipated that. And one of the things too that that Raiders fans, especially those from the Bay Area, not so much from Los Angeles, but a lot of the fans up to the time the team moved there, they were concerned that there's this this myth. And and I saw it with the Golden Knights too, Arash. And I know you've been to many a Golden Knights games as well. They were all concerned and saying, "Oh, it's going to be all casino tickets. It's all going to be visitors." You didn't see any of that, did you? No, 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 no. I mean, listen, I, I know that that's going to happen at some point because if you're circling a game on your calendar, if you're going to go to one road game, I, I said this about SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, and of course the same thing holds true in Las Vegas. You're going to go, you're going to want to go to Vegas again. That was a unique atmosphere on a Monday night game, but a normal Sunday 1 p.m. game, you're going to come in on Friday, enjoy your Friday night, enjoy your Saturday go to the game at 1 p.m. and then fly home. I mean, it, it's a perfect place whether you whether you drive in or fly in. But the, it, it, it was a home game. And, you know, of course, we joke about that here in Los Angeles. I mean, that's not going to be the case for the Chargers. I mean, the Cowboys are coming into town on Sunday. And, and so it, it, it's different for each team. Sure. That was a Raiders home game. And, and it, it just – felt and sounded so amazing. Well, and Arash, I have to say, too, one of the things that we hear a lot, and obviously we're, we're on the same station as you are down in Southern California on Friday nights, and there's a reason for that because I had one fan that's been listening to us for the past four years um, text me and say, hey, why are you on the air in Southern California? And I said, because it's still a Raider town in so many ways. Yeah. I mean, you have you have ticket sales, uh, season ticket sales for Allegiant Stadium. It's like 20, 25% are from Southern California. Talk about that because, listen, I know the Rams have had a nice run and they continue to do well. And SoFi is beautiful. The Chargers, listen, I grew up a Charger fan. So, and I disowned them when they left San Diego. So, <laughs> so like so many did. And, and there, it's going to take a few generations for them to develop, I think, a real fan base there. But nonetheless, talk about that, too, and the representation of Raider Nation still in Los Angeles. 100%. I mean, people were taken aback by my uh, tweet, you know, because, I, again, I, I tweeted this out when I was on the flight. And I said, I really believe, like, Los Angeles has three teams. And when I say that, 
I get that the Raiders left Los Angeles a long time ago. I get that. But you cannot be a team in Los Angeles for over 10 years, win a Super Bowl here, have that connection with the city, and that doesn't continue. Again, so when Los Angeles didn't have a team for 21 years, what games do you think were on TV? What games do you think you know the fans here supported? They supported the Raiders, and, and, and you don't lose that. You know, like when you have that connection to a team – for 20 plus years. And again, they are still the only team to have won a Super Bowl here in Los Angeles. That connection is, just, is still there. So, um, you know, it's great that you guys have the show on 1090. And, and again, it's uh, as someone who has made that flight and that drive, it is a 45 minute flight, wheels up, wheels down. It is a four hour drive if you do it correctly. I mean, Las Vegas, and I say this belovedly because it is my home away from home, I mean, it, it, it is an extension of. Mm-hmm. Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So that 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 love of the team continues because getting to like Oakland, that was that that's a tough drive. People are Raider fans. I was talking to like they were so excited. Like they got season tickets. They want to make that flight. They want to make that drive. So that connection will only grow now. Well, Arash, unlike Scott, I grew up a Raider fan, so I still sweat it out during their games. And since you were there, you you got a front row seat. I, I just want to know, how did that feel for the Raiders almost winning the game and then having to come out back out in the field, the turnover, and then winning the game again? A lot of fans said it felt like the Raiders won two games in one night. How was that atmosphere? How are the fans feeling after they thought they won the game and then after they really won the game? It was incredible. So I tweeted um, after it looked like they had won the game the first time, and like the reaction was tremendous. You know, walk off touchdown. What an amazing moment! And then, you know, it's inside the one, and then I, obviously we know that it got picked and, and things like that. And, and I kept thinking, like, oh, like you know, don't don't let this night like end like that. Don't <laughs> let them, you know, like end in a loss like that. And then, you know, when they got the turnover and then finally, and, and the way that they got the touchdown where, you know, you call back the field goal unit and then you get the walk-off touchdown again for the second time. Um, and then, again, so many things happened that you forget that there was a 50-yard, 55-yard field goal to send it into. It. Just the whole night was amazing. Pre-game was amazing. Um, the halftime show with Ice Cube was amazing. It, it was really the perfect night. And... Um, so happy for the fans there. I mean, the, the, you know, I mean, it was such a unique thing, and, and you guys know this. Like, I was in Vegas the day that they got approved to move there, and I was like, you know, they're they're going to continue to play in Oakland. I don't know how that's going to work, but like, they're, they're going to continue to play in Oakland. And then, like last year, because of the, the pandemic, no fans were there, and I went to a few of those games, and, and, and so it was just a long time coming. And I was just so happy that they got the win. Sure. But just an amazing, exciting, fantastic game. Yeah, I always joked last year that uh, the, or when they were moving, because we had the show on in Las Vegas before they moved and when they were still in Oakland. And I always said it was sort of like akin to breaking up with your girlfriend or wife <laughs> and saying, hey, uh, yeah, I'm divorcing you, but I'm going to sleep on the couch for a few years. Uh, so it was, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it was very strange. Now, Arash, when we talk about the Raiders and the team you saw on the field, obviously we heard about a lot of the injuries this week, which is unfortunate. But what did you see out of this team that made you think that maybe, just maybe, John Gruden and his staff have been able to maybe turn the corner and finally get back to the playoffs? Well, you know, I mean, they made big, big plays and big, big moments. And I like a team that can come back from two touchdowns down multiple times, right? And you, you fall down, you fall behind two touchdowns, 
begin the game. But really, you know, when you're down by two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and you find a way to come back, you tie it on a 55-yard field goal. That uh, that ability to come back and not let those bad moments, um, you know, uh, totally d- d- derail you. Like, again, it would have been so easy for the defense to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe. Like, we, we won the game, celebrated on the field, somehow we threw a pick. For them to kind of get the stop that they did, get the sack, get the turnover, get the fumble, and, and it just – I think we're going to see this season, and I hope that it plays out like fans wanted to. But like, what they gained from that win, in in in, in the fashion that they came back and won it, I think that's going to be huge. But to your question, like offensively, defensively, huge weapons, but guys again who can step up big in big, you know, times of the game. So, Rosh, if I told you the Raiders go ten and seven this season. Would you believe me on that one? I know it's just one game. I don't, and I don't want to, you know, go too overboard with this. But the growth of Max Crosby, the way the defense looked, Derek Carr's command of the offense, and his clutch gene in, in the fourth quarter and overtime. Do you think this team honestly has a chance to make a playoff push and possibly win a game or two? Yeah. Well, you know, here's here's the problem that they have. They are in a very tough division, and I'm someone who is very high on well. People know about the uh, Chiefs, so like, of course, people are high on the Chiefs, but I'm really high on the uh, Chargers as well. We'll see what they do this Sunday against the Cowboys, and then obviously, um, you know, this season. So, the problem for the Raiders that I see is the division that they're in, and so I I do like them. I don't see them going 10 and 7, but I I, I hope I'm wrong because it, it would be fun again to have postseason football in Las Vegas. Uh, I don't currently have them going ten and seven. I don't currently have them going to the playoffs. Again, hope I'm wrong. Hope that's not the case. Would love to come out there in, in January, cover some postseason football. Well, Arash, I know we're we're wrapping up our interview here, but I just want to say one thing to you, and that is forks up. There we go. <laughs> exactly. So, so I, I I I actually I'm a UNLV grad, but my daughter, my eldest child, is a Sun Devil, and I love that place. Um, I also love Herm Edwards. I hope they get things rolling and keep it rolling, despite some of the issues there. But uh, it's a great school. My daughter had a great experience. As a parent, I almost feel like I went there because they treated us so well. <laughs> it's it's one of the best. The Walter Cronkite School of Journalism. There, it is one of the. Greatest schools. Um, I had so much fun there as a freshman that I had to transfer back home to USC. <laughs> so I went to Arizona State for a year and a half, and then I went. Back yeah, home. we we could go another hour to talk about USC I football know, right? news, this, <laughs> exactly. football news this exactly. week. But uh, make sure you catch Arash Mikazi's show on the Mightier 1090 down in Southern California. You can stream that anywhere you are from 12 to 1 p.m. Pacific time. Also, go sign up for the morning column. You can do that at themorningcolumn.com. It's great stuff. He always has great insight to the world of sports all over the place. So, Arash, thank you so much, man. We'll have you on later in the season. Thank you so much, guys. I will talk to you soon. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. Take care. I appreciate it. All right. All right, thanks. See you. Bye-bye. Thanks. All right, cool. Cool. All right, and uh, another great interview, Mo. I love Arash and his – and you know what? It was good to hear from somebody – who had like a an open mind going into Allegiant Stadium uh, and and un- observing how Raider Nation right. responded in their new home. That, that's that's absolutely correct, and I and I think having someone on the ground to see everything unfold 
and and just kind of say what happened and how the fans reacted just puts a great touch on it. It does. And I'm so happy too that that maybe just maybe you know getting a couple more games in and people see that this is not what some folks want wanted it to be which is oh it's going to be all these people who aren't Raider fans. And listen, for true members of Raider Nation, I understood the concern because you got used to Oakland, you got used to how it was there. And even for the folks back in Los Angeles, how they used to see the games and they were concerned because Las Vegas, if you've never been there, if you've never lived there, if you've never spent any time there outside of the casinos, you can say to yourself, well, how are they going to do that? How's that going to work? Are, are fans really in Las Vegas? And that's the other thing, Mo, there is a very, very strong, remember most of the people, 70% of the people who've moved to Las Vegas over the last two years came from Southern California. And, and that's a huge Raider base as we talked about with Arash. So I think that that's the Southern California, the Northern California mixed with that, even Southern Utah is bringing fans in. Uh, they become Raider fans. So it's a good sign. And I think overall, Mo, that means Raider nation, the Raider franchise from a fan perspective now is on really good footing for growth in the future. Anybody worried about Raider nation traveling? Have you not been following the <laughs> fan base over the past? I don't know. Decades. Yes. Raiders fans are everywhere. They're in Pittsburgh right now waiting for that game to start. So, yes, I, I mean, if, if you know Raiders fans, you know they travel pretty well. We're going to step aside for our final break. When we come back from the break, we are going to be joined by the great Brian Salmon from News 3 Las Vegas. We're going to talk to him about the game coming up at the top of the hour. Are you ready for football? I think you are. Raiders, Steelers coming up right at 10 a.m. Pacific time. You're listening to Silver and Black Today, game day, only on The Fan Las Vegas. Raider Nation is fired up. It's Silver and Black Today, game day. All right, here we go. Welcome back, Raider Nation. This is Silver and Black Today, game day. Yes, it is game day. In fact, we're just minutes away from kickoff. In Pittsburgh, not a place that Raider Nation likes very often. Of course, you can watch the game locally on CBS here in Las Vegas. Also, the Raiders are five-and-a-half-point underdogs. And, Mo, uh, that's not bad considering all of the injury news we had from the Raiders this week. Definitely. I'm taking the Raiders on this one. I, I won some money last week, so I'm <laughs> going with it again this week. Yes, I did too, actually, on the Raiders, because I thought that line, I thought it was going to, we, we said on the last week's show, it was going to be a field goal mm-hmm. game, and it ended up kind of being a field goal game when they can, when, when teams can find their field goal kickers, that is. Uh, but, but nonetheless, we now are, are obviously focusing on the game today in Pittsburgh, a big one. Uh, and to do that, we're bringing in a good friend of the show. Not only is he an amazing broadcaster and journalist, uh, but he is also the best dressed broadcaster in Las Vegas. I'm sorry. He just is. That is one Mr. Brian Salmon from News 3 Las Vegas. You can follow him on Twitter. You better follow him on Twitter at Brian with a Y, B-R-Y-A-N, News 3 L-V. Brian, welcome back to the show, man. How you doing? Oh, my gosh. God, moment. I, I appreciate it, but why do I have to have a little Y? <laughs> Why can't I have a big Y in my name? <laughs> well, and not only that, but another guy who spells his name Brian with a Y did pretty good last week, didn't he? Ah, uh, yes. You know what? That's interesting that you say that because anytime I do highlights of any player, person, 
that has their name spelled B-R-Y-A-N. I say they do it with the power of Brian, and that's exactly what Brian <laughs> Edwards did this past week. He used the power of Brian, baby. He sure did. He sure did. Uh, all right, my man, listen, we want to focus on the game coming up here at the top of the hour. And, of course, this week, the Raiders dealing with multiple key injuries. They now have to go into Pittsburgh. No easy task. My question for you, is this one of those games where if they can overcome all of that, and they can win on the road. Is this the kind of game that might set the tone for the season? Of course, they're coming off the emotional Monday night game, but could this be that type of game where despite all of the odds, they go out there and if they win, it can really set up a, a really interesting and, and fantastic season? What, what are, you, are you in my head or something? Like, <laughs> please, please get out of my head. I don't appreciate you being inside my head. <laughs> no, I've been saying this to anyone who will listen that this game is the, the – it's only really a win-win for the Raiders. If they win this game, it can absolutely catapult them to a great season, similar to what they did when they played in New Orleans, when they went for it on fourth down and went for the win – or not fourth down, but they went for the two-point conversion instead of the, um, tying the game up, and that kind of catapulted them to a, a great season. If they can win in Pittsburgh on a short week with injury, injuries all over the place on their team, um, traveling from – from west to east, time zones, all that stuff. If they can get a win versus a very good Pittsburgh team, then yes, this is a win that I think that can uh, a game that can absolutely catapult them and, and and be big things for the Silver and Black moving forward for sure. So Brian, I take it from your answer that you're expecting a hungry football team. You're not expecting an emotional letdown. You're saying the Raiders are playing with house money, basically. Even if they if they step up to Pittsburgh and it's a close game, that's a win-win for them. Of course, you want to win the game, but even if it's close, you feel like this could catapult them for the rest of the season. So I'm guessing just by your answer, you're not expecting an emotional letdown, are you? I am not. I'm really not. Uh, I, I'm... You do play to win the game. I believe Herm Edwards said that multiple times. You can play, you know, you, you play to win the game. However, if they cover, and I think it's like a, I don't know, like a five or six point game or something like that. Yep, but if they cover half. this game, five and a half, look, that's just me guessing. Um, living in Vegas, just guessing. <laughs> um, if they cover this game, it's almost a win for them. You know what I mean? Uh, they, they go out there like, man, we, we hung out with it. We hung with a team that's, clearly very good we went to pittsburgh a, a very tough place to play on a short week all that stuff and, and if they play well and, and cover they can almost take a moral victory from that even though no one plays for the, those but you can still build off something like that so I, I don't think they have an emotional letdown at all it will not be the the raiders against the um jets i guess when they went back not mm. you know because they played they played terrible two years ago you know, they went out there and they just, in the rain, they just played horrific. It was like one of the worst games I think I've ever seen them play. So, mm -hmm. yep. yeah, I, I think they, no, no emotional letdown coming from Brian Salmon's mouth. <laughs> yeah, Brian Salmon from News 3 Las Vegas joins us talking about the Raiders game coming up here, kickoff at the top of the hour. And those injuries, I'm going to start with the offensive line, Brian, because Mo and I, over the last couple of weeks, I had talked about our concern with the offensive line because of the, the the switch over there. There was new guys there, some inexperienced guys. So it was already a question mark. Then you go into the Ravens game on Monday night, 
You lose Denzel Good for the season. Richie Incognito, let's face it, as a guy myself who's aging, uh, it's hard. He's not able to get back on the he's just not he's just not able to get he's he's a great guy. He's a great leader in that in that locker room, but he's not been able yeah. to get on the field. Now you go to Pittsburgh in the black and gold, you gotta face a guy by the name of TJ Watt. How do you take that line? How do you feel about that line going in there? And is that gonna be the key for this offense to continue to go and for this offense to do something they didn't do Monday night was get started early? Well, I, I'm the guy who's on the other side of the, the fence or flip side of the coin, so to speak. I don't think that any of their problems have to deal with offense at all, honestly. I mean I think if, if their defense shows up the way that they showed up against the Ravens and were able to get turnovers and able to keep Big Ben from throwing them all over the field and Najee from running all over the field, then I think they can win this game. Their offense will come. I mean, basically last season and to begin this season, Derek Carr is going to throw for a, a good chunk of yards. Um, he's going to have Waller. Um, I, I think they'll score points this entire season. So, uh, I, I think they'll be okay with Denzel Good getting hurt, which is very unfortunate. But, I mean, they dealt with line problems all last year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, think they'll, I think they'll be okay. I mean, easy enough for me to say that. But I think, really, they need to focus on the defense playing well. And if the defense can be in the top 15 of the NFL this season, just the top 15, that's not even asking a whole lot. I think that that's good for at least two wins. That's right, Brian. Tell, tell Scott, stop sounding off the alarms. No need to panic here, even with the injuries. Stop being, you know, hater, stop being a panic hater. guy. He's a hater. He's a hater. So, so uh, injuries are bad, but I, I don't think they're that bad. And I, and I, you know what? I agree with you, and we're going to talk about that during the show. But since you said you're not worried about the offense, let's talk about the defense. Do you think yeah. the Raiders defensive line has enough to generate pressure, even if Yannick Ngakwe cannot play? We saw Carl Nassif have a moment on Monday. Quentin Jefferson had a moment uh, yeah, on Monday. Also, Darius Phylon had a shout-out from Gus Bradley saying he showed up on film, even though he didn't show up on the stat sheet. Do you think this group has enough, even if Ngakwe can't go at, or can't go at 100%, to make at least Big Ben be uncomfortable in the pocket? I absolutely do. Absolutely do. And the reason why I say that is because Ngakwe, when did he get injured in this game? Wasn't it in the first half? Yeah, he, I was right in the first half. He did, but he actually didn't. He he still played through it again, which says a lot about the guy. And then he he was uh-huh. taken out later in the game. Yeah. Okay, so with that being said, look how well they did chasing around Lamar Jackson. Who the hell wants to chase Lamar Jackson around? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Nobody wants to chase that guy around. And Big Big Ben is he's a, just a tad bit slower. Than, uh, than Lamar Jackson. <laughs> he, he's a, Brian, come on, you're being nice. He's a statue. <laughs> just, just a skosh. Just a skosh. Yeah. Less nimble than Lamar Jackson. So if they can put that kind of pressure on Lamar Jackson, I think that there's no doubt that they'll be able to, to put that kind of pressure on Big Ben. And the player who will be playing in that game, who was seen all over the place in their opener, is the guy that I know you're going to talk about, the defensive player of the week, Mad Max Crosby. Oh, yeah. He will play, and he will be in Big Ben's face. So, yeah, no, I, I think that – I think that's – I think the biggest improved portion of their team. And the fact that McCoy went down, which was terrible, so that just means that um, Farrell will probably get an opportunity to play. And, you know, he's chomping at the bit to show guys – show them that, hey, I shouldn't have been a healthy scratch. Get me in there. Let me go play and show you what I can do. 
Speaking of Cleveland Farrell, you, it's funny you put out that name. Maybe you're in my window. Maybe you're in my apartment <laughs> looking at my nose. Are you in New York? <laughs> I'm in your Brian. head, I'm in your Brian. head. <laughs> Brian's coast to coast. So I, I'm going to ask you about Cleveland Farrell. Um, do you, what are you expecting from him? You just mentioned he was a healthy scratch. A lot of people buzzing. Is he going to be traded? What's his future like with the Raiders? What are you looking at with Cleveland Farrell? What do you think he's going to provide in that in that game against the Steelers? Can he be the guy to car, kind of carve out a role and, and say, hey, I'm still here and I'm still, I can still be productive? I think so. I, I think this is probably the first time in his, his athletic life, for the most part, that he's being doubted. You know what I mean? Like, he went to Clemson. He played well at Clemson. The Raiders made him a first-round draft pick, so clearly they fought a lot of him. And then he came here and kind of laid an egg, similar to how Jonathan Abram, in a sense, kind of laid an egg. So uh, I think that he's, he definitely has a chip on his shoulder, maybe a chip that he did not have previously. And to me, I like to, I like to keep the glass half full. I, that's the kind of guy that I am. You know what I mean? If I'm drinking something, I want to keep the glass half full. So I'm with well, that being I'm Exactly, exactly. So that being said, I think that Clee will, will respond and, and play well especially with McCoy going down. He's almost thinking like he's got – he's like that cat that was hanging from the from the stadium in Miami. He's got nine <laughs> lives. He's figuring like, you know what? <laughs> I got another life. I'm going to go ahead and make this thing happen. That's great. Brian Salmon from uh, News 3 Las Vegas is our guest. And, Brian, we got about two minutes left. We talked with cool. Ike Taylor, the former uh, defensive back for the Steelers uh, in our, on our Ike. California show on Friday. Yeah, great player. Um, and yeah. he, he said the key to this game coming up at the top of the hour was which team could run the ball better. You look at Josh Jacobs, he's banged up. I was a fan of the Kenyon Drake signing, and I think now you're seeing why. Because Josh Jacobs, look, he's a great kid. He's tough as nails, but he hasn't been been able to play every single game for the Raiders and now the season's longer uh do you think the Raiders are going to be able to establish a run a little more against this Pittsburgh defense despite uh maybe Josh Jacobs being a little limited well I think one thing is for sure they're not going to be able to uh they're not going to run the ball any worse than they did in the first game <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean like because I mean they really did nothing in the first game. even though Josh Jacobs who's on my fantasy league team scored two touchdowns but still though they the running game was was non-existent in, in the opener. So I don't necessarily feel like they're going to run any worse. And I, I agree with you. I think Kenyon Drake was a great signing. So I, I think that they have to run the ball better. I think that they will run the ball better. Um, I think that, again, if, if they end up falling in this game coming up, I believe that it will be because the defense didn't play well if they don't uh, win this game. If they do win this game, everything that you're talking about happens for them they run the ball well Derek Carr is Derek Carr and Mad Max continues to be the guy that a lot of people said you need to watch out for coming up this season Simo this is why we have Brian on the show because he not only is he half glass full but it's 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 all based on knowledge he knows what he's talking about and by the way this this is why you follow (laughs) Brian on Twitter not just because of the sports takes which are excellent but because as a human being and as a person as a husband as a father he's a positive guy and we love that. Brian Salmon from News 3 Las Vegas. Follow him at Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, News 3 LV. <laughs> Brian, thanks, man. We appreciate it. We'll uh, talk to you again very, very soon. Man, I appreciate it. Anytime. I told you, Scott, holler at me. Moe, good to meet you. Good to be on with you guys. I'm feeling warm and fuzzy over here, man. I appreciate you having me on. <laughs> I love it. Brian Salmon there. Appreciate you, Brian. We, we appreciate All it right. so much. 
All right, there you go. Brian's, I mean, Mo, he should be a coach, right? He gets you fired. I mean, he's got me fired up for kickoff here in a few minutes. I may have to suit up as a safety, you know, as a nickel safety <laughs> or something, you know, nickel slot cornerback. I don't want to take Nate Howe's job, but just saying. You know. <laughs> I love it. All right, we're coming up on kickoff, Mo, so let's let's get to the nitty-gritty here. Steelers, Raiders, uh, as I said at the beginning of the segment we talked about with Brian, five-and-a-half-point underdogs. How do you see this one unfolding out in Pittsburgh here at the top of the hour? I think it's going to be a defensive battle, low-scoring game, not a lot of touchdowns. Um, I'm, I have a strategy here really quick. I I, I'm going to be the reverse jinx. So last <laughs> week I picked the Raiders to lose and they won. So that worked. So I'm going to do that again and say Steelers 24, Raiders 21 and hope that I give them good reverse juju, I guess you can call that, and, and they go. win the game. So I love see. it. I love it. And you know what? I'm with you there too because I, I after all the injuries and we found out more on Tuesday, Wednesday, I was really concerned. But I'm looking at this game and I just love where this Raiders defense is, right? And, mm-hmm. and Brian talked about it. You talked about it. And I say this. I like your low scoring prediction because I think that's what's going to happen. <laughs> and I think the Raiders, they're going to win 21 to 20. You ready for that? Mm-hmm. So somebody's going to miss a kick or something's going to happen. But I think the way they win this game, Mo, is I think Pittsburgh gets the ball back late, but I think that that defense is going to step up. Max Crosby, whoever else they got on the end, whether it's Furl or whoever it is, they're going to pressure Ben. Ben's going to throw a late interception. And that defensive backfield, which was much maligned during the offseason, okay, is going to come out. I'm going to pick Casey Hayward Jr., to make a pick late in this game and to seal the victory for the Raiders on the road. And I really do believe, especially with the injuries and hearing what I heard from the players this week, they're just in a good headspace despite the injuries. So I think you're going to have a Raider victory. You're going to have a Raider victory brought about by the defense. And the offense will be efficient, but like you said, it'll be a lower scoring game. So that's my take on it. So Mo and I both have the Raiders going to Pittsburgh, a place that's been very scary for the Raiders over the years uh, overall uh, to win this game. All right. For Mo, I am Scott Goldbranson. This has been Silver and Black Today, game day only on the fan, Las Vegas.